We've been looking, not last week, um, we're in Mikanrubia here, but prior to that, kind of three pictures of what uh, the church is in the Bible, three, three main pictures, and they were the building, the body, and the bride. The building, the body, and the bride. And for some reason, uh, they didn't choose the other picture that we have chosen as a church to represent this church as the bus. And um, so when we get together our, our new people in church, uh, we've come up with this picture uh, of what our, our church is like. And I did the first version, which no one liked, of a bus and so a better picture has been done, and this is it, and talk about uh, mission, vision, and values. Mostly this morning, I'm going to talk about our main values, uh, but we'll just go over the first two, the mission and uh, the vision. So the, the, the mission is preparing the saints for works of service. That's from Ephesians 4.12. The vision is Matthew 28.19. One of the last things that Jesus said, on earth, and where he tells his disciples, go and make disciples, go and make disciples. He, he didn't say, go and make enemies. He didn't say, go and make slaves. He didn't even say, go and make friends. He says, go out into all the world and make disciples. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the four values, and luckily our bus has four tyres, but uh, we're not onto the bus, we're onto this. Um, and they are uh, Bible, spiritual, whānau, and local. Bible, spiritual, whānau, and local. And so the first tyre, the first value we hold as a church is Bible. And the real key verse about this is 2 Timothy chapter 3.16. Second book of Timothy chapter 3.16 says, uh, All scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said this, I've not come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fill them up. Let's pretend I've got a balloon here. It's like the Old Testament is like a balloon. And Jesus is saying, I haven't come to throw away the balloon. And so I've come to fill it up like a balloon. And what's better, a balloon with no air or a balloon with air? But that's what Jesus said. I've, I haven't come to destroy it, to abolish it, but to blow it up. And when that is not the case, when, when we don't see as all Scripture God breathed, some problems happen. Two bad things start to happen when we don't see all Scripture as God breathed. Firstly, we tend to chop bits out that we don't like. Scripture chopping. And Scripture chopping 
has a very long history. Uh, a very old scripture chopper was a man by the name of Marcion. And way, 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 way back in the second century was Marcion. He was one of the first and famous scripture choppers. Marcion was a man, he came from Rome. His dad actually had been a, a bishop in Constantinople in Turkey. And then he came to Rome and he fell under the influence of a, a teacher called Serdo. And under the influence of Serdo, Marcion started to reject some of the esteemed spiritual writing, those, those early writings um, in some of the Old Testament writings that the, the believers were gathering around and was becoming our scripture. And Marcion started to reject some of those because it wasn't fitting with his philosophy as he was getting from Serdo. And so he started chopping out scripture. He didn't like the Old Testament because to Marcion, uh, that God of the Old Testament was different from the God of the New Testament. So he chopped out all of the Old Testament. And he didn't like the Gospels, except for the Gospel of Luke, except the first part of Luke. (laughs) So he did away with all the Gospels except most of Luke. And he didn't like uh, many of the letters, so he chopped them out, except for ten of Paul's letters. So Marcion ended up with ten and three-quarter books in his Bible. good thing about Marcion is that what that did and other scripture choppers, it started to force the, those early Christians to say, what is those, those anointed spiritual writings that we consider the, the canon? And from there, the, the early believers started to gather those together and saying, yeah, we believe this is God breathed, this is God anointed. And by the end of the fourth century, uh, we had it what we consider our canon now, those 66 books of the Bible. Now, the second bad thing that can happen when we don't see all of the Bible as God breathed is a thing called reductionism. And reductionism, just think of, it's just like reducing. It's like when you have rice in a pot and a little bit of rice and, and, and a little bit of water and then you uh, forget about it and go away. And then it reduces and reduces and reduces. You end up with a a horrible pot with a burnt thing, sticky, yuck, on the bottom. That's reductionism. Where truths are wrongfully reduced right down to very simplistic slogans and cliches like, like God is love. And God is love. That is true. That is true. But God's love when we use all of the Bible, includes God's wrath. And God's love includes God's governance. And God's love, when we include all of the Bible, includes God's holiness and God's justice and God's righteousness. All the nature and character of God cannot be reduced to three words and ignore all the other aspects of God's nature as shown in the Bible. So, Uh, Scripture chopping? No. 
Reductionism, no. But a good thing, the last thing about the Bible is that the Bible is Jesus-centric. Jesus-centric. And all the Bible speaks or hints at Jesus. It's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. Luke chapter 24, verse 27. And it was uh, the risen Jesus walking along the road with two of his disciples. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, that's Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Moses is those, those early books, those five books, and the prophets is sort of like the rest. So it's basically Jesus using the Old Testament to show them that this was talking about himself. It's all about Jesus. He's a wonderful, one of my favorite uh, versions of the Bible is the children's Bible, and it's, I forget, but the Jesus Storybook Bible, and it has wonderful pictures, and the subtitle is, Every Story Whispers His Name. Every Story Whispers His Name. It's all about Jesus, all hinting at Jesus. And at Wainui Beach Church, we take Scripture seriously. We take Scripture seriously. We are about the Bible. We are about the Bible. Not going to chop out bits we don't like. Not going to try and reduce it down to a sticky mess. And it is all about Jesus. And... Uh, that, that doesn't mean we just take it uh, totally literally at times, but we do take it seriously. For instance, where, you know, where Jesus says, if your hand sins, chop it off. I'm not going to take that literally. I'm not going to uh, advocate uh, chopping off limbs, despite all our medical profession that we're blessed with here. Uh, but we are, it does advocate dealing with, seriously and vigorously with sin and temptation. Don't need to take it literally, but we do need to take it seriously. And the way we do that is, it it sounds like a flash word, but it kind of is, but it's not really. Exegesis. And exegesis means basically unpacking. Exegesis means unpacking of the Bible. What does it mean? So that's exegesis, just unpacking. It's like a suitcase, just unpacking. What does it mean and what does it mean for us? You know when you unpack a suitcase, take out the clothes and then you put it on. That's exegesis. What does it mean? What does it mean for us? And we can do that on a regular basis here on Sundays in a more conversational way. In the small groups, the the growth groups, questions, conversations. All of the Bible is God-breathed and it speaks and it hints. Helps us in life. It's useful. It's centered on Jesus. That's the the wheel number one. Wheel number two, spiritual. The spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit. You know, a temptation, if you're so Bible-focused, 
is to kind of turn it into 100 easy principles for a good and happy life. But it's not, it's, it's not that. It's more than that. You know, Jesus left his spirit to help us, to heal us, to speak to us, to encourage us. Words of prophecy. Uh, the living spirit of Jesus is available here and now. That's why we have prayer afterwards. We, want, we just don't want to have, you know, a good talk. But we want, you know, we want the living spirit of Jesus to make an impact into your life. And at times, through church history, uh, the church has done these, these incredible pendulum spin, uh, swings to do with the Holy Spirit. At, at different times, you know, they've gone one way, really into the Holy Spirit, and then excessively wild, crazy things, and then the other way where the Holy Spirit is uh, left out and oppressed. For instance, uh, Corinthians, they were going through that in Corinth in the first century. Then it appeared again in the second century under a guy called uh, Montanus, and Montanus was really into prophetic utterances. And then he had all these followers. And he got so out of control that the, the rest of the church ended up sort of uh, putting them off to the side. And then, interestingly enough, a pendulum swing of that is the church became very rigid and structured and kind of pushed the Holy Spirit to the side. And unfortunately, that's, that tends what to happen, these... Uh, pendulum swings, and of course the truth is where it's probably in the middle. You know, we, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in, um, in, at times, wild and crazy things happen and supernatural things happen, but um, not going to be uh, crazy about it, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So, uh, Bible, spiritual, whānau. You might have noticed that we take, generous, uh, we take gen- Genesis chapter 1 seriously and literally go, uh, be fruitful and multiply in this church. Uh, so we are about whānau, we are about kids, and we are about older people treating them properly and respectfully. We are about middle-aged people, praise the Lord. We know we are about the whole whānau. Everyone, youngest to the oldest. And Fano has a deeper meaning than family. It means, uh, often it means community. It means uh, like the Greek word of koinonia, of relationships, of, of mutual obligation. Acts chapter 2, for instance. Often at a, at a hui, um, people say, kia ora That doesn't mean they're related that means uh, I greet you, people that I am linked to. And so that's why we've chosen that word as a church, that we're linked to each other. We're linked to each other. And Tim Keller, American pastor, has a great line. He says, the ability of the church to help you will be severely limited if you are not well connected in. The ability of the church to help you will be severely limited if you are not well connected in. Of course, it works the other way as well. Your ability to help the church, the rest of us, 
will be severely limited if you're not well connected in. And so Sundays are great, but we advocate the other groups as well, the, the home groups, the growth groups, the relationships, prayer groups, all the other groups and connections. Fano also means not only receiving, but helping, helping. Uh, work, uh, rosters, cup of tea, vacuuming, chairs, that sort of stuff. Also means finance. We had one of our young medical people here for a few years, and after um, about a year and a half, maybe two years, um, he, was, he greatly appreciated the church, the church appreciated him and them, and he said, Carl, um, we're going to be going off to this other area, but we really love the church. We're thinking of continuing to contribute financially here. What do you think? And I said, I don't think you should. I don't think you should. I think you should connect in, link in to the new place that you're going to be. Because as Jesus says, uh, where you put your treasure, your heart will follow. And I want you to to link into your new place. Another way works as well. If you feel this is your spiritual home, put in your finances because your heart will follow as well. Uh, Because if you eat at McDonald's, you don't pay at KFC. Uh, so, Bible, spiritual, far note, local. Local partly means that we, you know what, we're not the only church in Gisborne. We're not, the, we're not the only church in Gisborne. This is our local area, and there's some great churches in this area. There's some great church leaders in this area. And we acknowledge them. We often pray for them. We want the best for them because it's not just about us in this little part of the vineyard. It's about all of us, you know. It's about God's vineyard. That's part of what local means, that we we try really hard to keep good relationships with the other churches in the area. Secondly, local means that we are a church in this area. And as you read the book of Revelation, one of the things that Revelation shows us of the seven churches there, that they were all slightly different. Different locations, so they're all slightly different. And there was a different message for each one of them. And they had different strengths and weaknesses, trials and challenges. And we are a church at Wainui Beach here on the edge of the East Coast, Aotearoa, New Zealand, 21st century. And we appreciate all the other resources from around the globe that, that can be offered to us, but there is a sound that is our sound. There is a sound that is our sound. And uh, Bay and the crew, they were helping develop that, Bonnie, yesterday. We'll probably hear it after a cup of tea time. Um, There is stuff that makes special sense to us in this part of the world in this time. Stuff that makes sense to us in this locality. 
when we, uh, here's an example, when we were missionaries in West Africa, there was an Australian tradesman in our town called Jibo, and the, the, the locals loved him. He's a great guy. And um, they wanted him to speak in our tiny little church. He'd never learnt any other language, so he didn't really understand how languages worked. He was a great tradesman. He could rivet like you wouldn't believe. But he, um, he did this message, and he wanted to finish with a very emotional poem that meant a lot to him. Trouble was, with our tribe, the Fulani, they have a huge number of words for carrying things. But they are very unemotional people, and they have very few emotional words. In fact, a key part of their culture is, is what they call pulaku, which means uh, restraint. For instance, they won't uh, eat in front of people that they don't know. And they, uh, husbands often won't eat in front of wives. That's because of that, that breaks pulaku. And so out in the bush, some Fulani men, um, some Fulani women, have never seen a Fulani man, her husband, Put food in his mouth. Imagine that. And so uh, Fulani are very unemotional people. Our, our wonderful Australian friend, he, he wanted to finish his message, tiny little church, with this emotional English poem. And then he asked for it to be translated. And so, you know, for, for the Fulani, there's a word for to carry something on your head. There's a word, uh, to carry something on your back. Um, bomba, uh, bombarde, uh, to carry something on the side, to carry something under your armpits, to carry something with somebody else. But to translate an English poem dripping with emotional intensity, well, it was really hard. And so it's quite funny at the end. You know, it means something like this in this poem. He was flabbergasted. The translation came, he hit by a sail. He was flabbergasted. He was not happy. <laughs> he was distraught. He was not happy. <laughs> he was distraught beyond comprehension. He was not happy at all. <laughs> so that's sort of the way it came across. And uh, we at Wainui Beach Church, we appreciate all that Christendom has to offer us, but we are a local church in this part of the world, and there's stuff that makes sense to us. And a, a part of that localness is the, the value of hospitality, manakitanga, manakitanga is a Māori word. And uh, I just want you to know, if you are new here, if this is your first kind of year in church, you're really welcome. If you were uh, not born here, you are really welcome. <clears throat> we, we bid you welcome. We bid you welcome. Uh, I'm going to finish with this great song, iconic Kiwi song from Dave Dobbin. Uh, welcome home. And, and some of the words say this, Tonight I'm feeling for you under the state of a strange land. You have sacrificed much to be here. Therefore, the graces that I offer my hands. Uh, welcome, welcome home. I bid you welcome. I bid you welcome.
you'll find most of us here with our hearts wide open. Actually, uh, if you weren't born in New Zealand, would you mind just standing up? We just want to bless you. Wanna, if you weren't born in New Zealand, mm. if you were not born in New Zealand, if you were not born in New Zealand, yeah, Lord, we bless them. We thank you that, that they are here amongst us. We bid you welcome from the bottom of our hearts. We bid you welcome. We bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. We, we bless you with the manakitanga of this uh, rohe, this region. You are welcome. You're welcome in this church. Yes. Can you also stand up if this is your first year in this church or if you're visiting? Those are, yeah. So we bless you as well. We bless these ones that are just new here and they're just having a look. We bless you. Bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. You are welcome. You'll find most of us here with our hearts wide open. Amen. Let's, let's play that and then we'll be finished. 